You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. the Scottish Rugby Podcast with me, Cammy Black, brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog, of course. Joining me this evening, we have John Anderson. Hi there, folks. And from behind the mask, it's the Unabomber. No, it's not. It's uh, who's that man behind the mask there? What? It says Ian here, but can we be sure? What have you done to your face, Ian? Hello, I've shaved. (laughs) And it it looks wrong. It's, It's all despicable. I thought well, you that's, were, that's, it's not that's, you've, that's got, you've, you've not got them. the Coronas, have you? No, 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 I, I ain't got the, no Coronas. Although, funny, I ain't got no Coronas. You, you said Back to the Future, look from here. Oh, very good, you see. There you go. That, that wasn't even fun. Nice. That would make no sense to anybody listening to the podcast, because uh, All right. I've, I, we, we spoke about the uh, Back to the Future before. There you go. Oh, my God, it's hideous. <laughs> Put it away. <laughs> <laughs> Why do they stare? <laughs> um, Brings out um, a wee bit more of your um, your um, skin tone. You know? sort of gives you a sort of translucent glow. That's, that's always what I look like with with like um, a slight a slight hint of kind of you know definition. I think I'm, I think it's a good look, mate. I'm lighter than your door. <laughs> Is this... We only recently painted those doors, so that, that explains a lot. But. Is this kind of in like after last week where you thought you looked too white? You thought if you shaved your, your beard off, it would help the contrast. Is that the idea? Um, no, but I have this kind of weird nervous habit where I pick at it. Like, uh, did you do this, John? Did you like pick at your beard hairs and go, oh, look at that one? No, but that just me. I'm, I'm pretty experienced on the old beard hair front. Uh, I've, I've trained myself. Yeah, I was starting to get like it was getting patchy, so I thought I'd just take it back to zero and start again, back to a formula. <laughs> Owl farming. Yeah, um, so we um, this is in preparation for our big club dinner. We're doing these live podcasts. We might we might continue um, next. I say next year, next season. We may continue with these um, because they've been quite good fun. We quite enjoy seeing each other, and it's no hassle. All we do is we press a button and it goes live on Facebook. So it's 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 been quite a lot of fun for us to do it. The big club dinner, everyone. Don't forget that is on uh, Friday, the twenty fourth of July at eight thirty p.m. You can find the event on our Facebook page, Scottish Rugby Blog. Uh, you can find details on ScottishRugbyBlog.co.uk. Um, we've got a lot of exciting speakers lined up. I have received this week Scott Hastings' speech, which is very good, and 
on Tuesday, yesterday morning as we record this, I spoke with and recorded Doogie Donnelly's speech. And <laughs> let me tell you, it is everything you can expect of a speech from Doogie Donnelly and then some. Is there plugs for furniture stores? No, sadly not. No, we didn't get on to no. that. No, but yeah. there is there's innuendo, there's you'll laugh, you'll cry. And you know, delivered with his you know his usual warm warmth and charm. Well, but, could, no. So is he the one that's going to be doing the slightly inappropriate speech that seems to happen at rugby club dinners? Then <laughs> <laughs> I was I thought it was going to be me. Oh, good, good stuff. <laughs> no, well, hopefully that won't happen because um, this is part of the reason why one I invited. So I, I chose very carefully who I asked to do the speeches. And also, we're pre-recording them, so um, I can vet them beforehand and make sure nobody says anything out, out of sorts. On the night, we'll be live, so um, control the new yeah, lot is a different matter. You forgot the wild card here. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we of course, will be the top table during the big dinner. Um, I've got plans. Now, Do you, you may remember, I think um, it was a few podcasts ago, we were talking about Doogie Donnelly's quiz show, Shammy Dab. Yes, mm-hmm. we were. Yes. We are going to play Shammy Dab. <laughs> we're going to have some rounds i'm going to i've taken the details off wikipedia because there's no episodes exist on youtube so that's that's what we're going to do we're going to play rounds of shammy dab in between <coughs> in between the speeches did Dookie not have any of his personal archive i was going to say i should have the, asked him no i, I only came up vault. with that this afternoon that we were going to do that so um so i was trying to think of what we could do in between the speeches oh, so call him back man <laughs> i've got his email address i've got his zoom address he's <laughs> the besties now mate just just hook him up. Um, so we, we thought this episode, we're going to do a bit of news. Um, we are going to go back and do a bit more YouTubing, just because it was quite good fun last week, and we need to have we practice with sharing screens. Uh, and then we're going to do our um, do some hands in the ruck as well. Um, and I think we've got one Where's Doogie Donnelly as well. Speaking of Doogie Donnelly, we have, we have had a submission via Twitter this week. Um, so the first big bit of news this week is that Mr. Greg, Greg Laidlaw, has uh, finally announced where he's off to, and he's off to... Ian, can you remember the name of the team he's off to? Is NTT... NT, oh, man, I've just deleted the... T- I closed the tab down just there. Um, NT, they're in... Itch, they're based in Ichikawa City. They are, which uh, is... Um, NTT Shining Arcs. That's it, the that's NTT it, it? That's the one. Shining Arcs. So he announced that this week. We were very fortunate enough to manage to grab an interview with him. So Ian spoke to um, Greg on uh, Monday. Um, so... Um, we uh, have got a bit of an interview with him, so we'll be back at the other end of this. I hope you enjoy it. Let's see if it works. All right. Well, folks, um, I have the distinct pleasure now of being joined by Mr. Greg Laidlaw, uh, former Scotland captain, 76 caps, 714 points. It's been quite a career for you, Greg. And um, now today you've announced that you're moving to Japan uh, to join the NTT Shining Arcs. Um, could you tell us what was your sort of motivation behind that decision? I think first and foremost it's an excellent opportunity for me to to continue my rugby career essentially and, and certainly a new part of the world for um, one probably for rugby and then two for myself. I just felt it was a, an excellent opportunity to go and experience something something a bit different and uh, and, and test myself somewhere else. Yeah. Um, when you were in Japan for the World Cup, you, you seemed to be uh, quite popular amongst the fans there. Um, why do you think that was? With, with all respect, meant of course. Uh, you know, do you think it's maybe to do with? Um, I thought maybe that your twenty-six uh, match-winning performance, twenty-sixteen match-winning performance against them, um, maybe they respected that. But I mean, what was that 
that like for you? Because I, I imagine you've ever been mobbed like that before. Yeah, it was it was pretty surreal to be honest. I, I think it, a lot of it came from the actually the 2015 Rugby World Cup uh, when we played against Japan down in down at Kingsholm. Um, because Japan had played against South Africa in the game before, and obviously they, they beat South Africa. And then uh, the next game was against us, um, so I can't remember the numbers, but a large amount of uh, people watched the game on TV in Japan. Uh, I was captain of Scotland. I was kicking, and uh, I played, you know, not too bad. So I think off the back of that, I seemed to pick up a, a fairly big following, and then uh, 2016, I think, just helped. Okay, uh, at the Shining Arts, how long is your contract going to be there? Is it a couple of years or just the one? I've signed for two seasons, yeah. Two seasons, yeah. Um, do you have, was there any other overtures from Scottish Rugby Union to come back here or um, was it just, did you think I'd, I'd rather keep playing and learn something new, um, learn a new culture and what have you? I was I was pretty fortunate that I, I had a, a couple of different options uh, throughout the world. And, uh, but the Shining Arts, um, they, they, they came at me and, uh, you know, I just felt that with their organisation, uh, the, the, how they sort of wanted me, they wanted me for my experience to go over there. And, and I just felt, you know, in a rugby career and, and like any sporting career, you only get one one chance at it. And, you know, if, if I didn't take the chance this time around, it, it would have passed me by. So, um, yeah, it was almost too good an opportunity. Yeah, they've also announced they, they've signed um, Australian flanker Liam Gill and also uh, Anaru Rangi, the, the Kiwi um, hooker. Um, I've also looked at the squad. They've got some some really good players there, like Christian Lee, Lea Fano. Um, are you looking forward to playing with, with guys of that calibre? Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's, that's one of the, the, the great things about travelling, going to different clubs and, and testing yourself. Is But you also get to play with really good players in and around you as well. And I've seen the, the, the players they announced this morning alongside my announcement as well, which is awesome. Liam Gill, I think, just finished up in France as well with Lyon. Um, so he's heading over there now. So, yeah, it'll be excellent. And I think, you know, certainly through my experience from playing in France and, and probably a little bit in Gloucester is, you know, the foreign uh, or certainly the, the guys that don't come from that part of the world tend to look after each other. And so I'm looking forward to, you know, getting over there and, and meeting the, the foreign group of players. Um, obviously, playing in England and France, it's quite a sort of forward-dominated game. Um, which, which, which do you think the playing style will be like in Japan? Do you think it'll be a bit more, a bit more open or...? Yeah, definitely. It's, it'll it'll be a lot more open. They'll try and play a, probably a slightly more New Zealand type based uh, game. It's it's quick. It's fast. It's trying to get some offloads into into the game and stuff like that. So, and I think with with some of the new rules that are coming into the game as well, it it should uh, it should suit the the style of play. So yeah, I'm looking forward to to getting out there when when I can and and and, and becoming part of the the culture and the squad at NTT. Okay, um, you're a younger man than me, but uh, obviously after the, the two seasons are up, it's uh, but you be looking to is this going to be your last playing contract? Do you think? And then, uh, what's your your plans after that? Do you have anything in mind, or are you just going to sort of play it by ear? Oh, I think it'll probably be my last playing contract. I would imagine for sure. It's, time waits for no man, and I'm certainly no different. So, um, yeah, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll certainly go over there, do do my couple of seasons, then we'll obviously I'll see where I'm at. Uh, in the long term, I'm pretty passionate about uh, you know helping rugby in, in Scotland for sure, and, and certainly being involved uh, somewhere um, when I come back to Scotland. That, that would probably be the grand plan at the moment. I do have another few things going on off the field, which is really 
probably I think is really important. Um, so I'll just take away with a few things off the field as well, just in case you know. Um, you know, once you spend a long time in the game, sometimes it it might be not not be a bad option to have a couple of a couple of different things on the go. Do you want to divulge anything there, or is that uh, the top secret? Ah, oh, there's certainly not not top secret, but um, I work um, with my management company really closely, Red Sky Management, and they're big on like a double career track. Uh, they call it, you know, alongside your your sporting um, your sport, uh, whatever that chosen sport is for that individual, and they always try and run something alongside it. So um, I'm interested in in business, I guess. Um, I'm doing a lot, a couple of things with. With Savills at the minute, just sort of learning a little bit about how they operate. Um, I'm involved in a in a restaurant as well called Mac and Wild, um, which is uh, a couple of Scottish guys started up down in London, and uh, we've got a place up up north as well. So I've got a couple of different things on the go, and I'll I'll probably start to uh, hone in on on what I'm going to exactly do in, in a couple of years' time. Yeah, now, um, if we must reflect back to the Japan World Cup, uh, obviously not the, the best of times. Um, th- there was a few players afterwards that said they felt that it was quite a stressful uh, sort of camp and experience. How, how did you find the whole thing, other than you know the, the constantly being mobbed by fans? Well, uh, in a national rugby, it's tough. It can be can be quite stressful. So it's. Uh, that's probably not no surprise, but yeah, it's disappointing. Obviously, from from a Scottish perspective, I think we we probably underperformed. Um, we certainly underperformed in, in definitely the Ireland game first and foremost, and uh, you know put ourselves under big pressure. And probably the seeds were sown then a little bit, to be honest. And, um, yeah, so it was a pretty tough uh, trip, tough competition for us. And, you know, oh, it's credit to Japan. You know, they played well, and we never defended well enough in that last game. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, in that Japan game, we've looked at the stats. Apparently, they made no errors at all. So that's that's quite that was quite a remarkable performance from them. Um, had you made your mind up to retire from the international scene before you headed out there, or was it a sort of see how you feel afterwards kind of a deal? Yeah, I'd, I'd pretty much decided uh, in my head. I think that there was going to be my last last campaign with Scotland and, and probably my last trip and. Again, as I sort of touched on earlier, time waits for nobody, and, and I'm no different. And I think it just felt like a, a the right time, in my opinion, to to move to move on and, and let the young boys come through and, and try and take it forward. So um, it's uh, it's been a great great time and great part of my life, and uh, you know memories I'll have for a lifetime. And you know, but it's uh, it's now on to another group of players that uh, you know hopefully they can go off, go forward with the jersey. Uh, with regards to that number nine jersey, um, obviously there's uh, Ali Price and George Horn kind of battling it out for the, the Warriors and Scotland starting spot. Pargos is there as well as a backup. Um, who do you think is the, the right man to, to lead Scotland forward, taking over, filling in your boots? Well, I think you know probably Ali's in the, in the best position at the, in the moment because you know, he's probably slightly more all. Uh, of an all-rounder in terms of that controlling aspect that you need at international rugby as well, and you know, but certainly George Horn, somebody that's obviously going to be there for the next number of years, and uh, he's an exciting uh, rugby player and an exciting halfback with you know a lot of speed and skills, and yeah, so it's going to be good. Two slightly different players, so yeah, I think that's always a good, good mix. You know, obviously you got one star and one on the bench, so to, to have that slightly different mix of of uh, halfback is is a good one. 
Yeah, there's a um, now sort of famous meme of uh, uh, Graham Love made of you with Adam Hastings and Finn Russell, um, sort of you as the father sort of figure reining them in. Um, who, I mean, obviously Finn Russell's quite a sort of maverick kind of guy. Who's who's your favourite ten partner that you've ever played with? You played with him quite a few times for Scotland. Was it something like thirty four? Uh, yes, I, th- yeah, I think it was 34. It was, uh, I think it was a Scottish record actually. So it was, um, yeah, it was very nice to get that with Finn. And yeah, I really enjoyed playing with Finn. Yeah, he's he's um, he's just got excellent skill sets, um, excellent rugby player, and yeah, I think he can just he's probably the best attacking ten going around to be honest. So he's an excellent talent, and, and certainly yeah, I want to see him back in a Scotland jersey, and you know as well along with Scotland. But you know, having said that, Adams. Adam's a good player too. He, um, you know, he, I think he done well in the Six Nations, and he, he showed that he can probably control Test matches as well. So it's, again, it's it's healthy for for that competition. And I think, you know, if needs must, I think something because Finn's such a good rugby player, he could he could push out to maybe twelve as well. And again, that gives Scotland a, a different option, not necessarily start there, but he, he could move out there, you know, later on in games and and gives the, the team a slightly different dynamic. Um, yourself and Finn are uh, obviously two of the, the sort of most more recent Scotsmen to have won down at Twickenham when you were playing with the Barbarians. Uh, one question we always like to ask is uh, if you were playing with the Babas, what socks would you wear? But having done it yourself, what socks were you wearing? Yeah, I wore my Jed Forest socks. Jed Forest. Yep. Sure did. Yep. So what's the, what's the build-up to the, the Babas camp like? Because you were only together for, but were you even together for a, a whole week? Um yeah, just under the week. Um, yeah, it's excellent. Uh, I think it's just such a, a unique um, opportunity and a unique week, I guess, in, in the life of a, of a now professional rugby players because you don't get their weeks at all. If you're in a big test match week, obviously, it's certainly not like a Barbarians week when you, you, know, you, get, out, you get to have a few beers and, and basically relax and you don't really go in with a game plan. You just go out there and throw the ball around and, and see what happens. So. Uh, it was an awesome week, and you know, again, that's that's part of the fun is getting to play with some brilliant players. Yeah, Semi Randrada in that game was, um, as well as Finn, they were they were sort of sensational. Uh, who, who do you think is the best player that you've you've played with and then against? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a question I get you know asked quite a lot. I think the best player I probably played against would be Dan Carter. He's uh, he's world class. He just Everything he done, I think you know he's, he had it all. He could pass, kick, run, tackle. Uh, he had great vision. He just always he's, he was one of the players. He always had time on the ball. Um, and I think the best player I've probably played with is is a guy called Iso Toyava, um, who played with me down in Clermont. Uh, he's an All Black as well. He was capped really young for the All Blacks, and he probably would have had a few more caps if he, if, he, if his body had held up, but. He's um, certainly playing with him down in Claremont was brilliant, and again, he was one of these players. He just seemed to have really uh, a lot of time on the ball uh, when when sometimes he didn't. Um, so, what was it you think that like the All Blacks? They just seem to have a conveyor belt of talent. Um, you know, it's obviously you've played with a few guys from New Zealand. What is it you think that sort of separates them from from the rest of the world? Because they, they're a small country, but the same size as Scotland, but. Obviously, sort of rugby's ingrained in their DNA. So, you know, do you think is there anything you've picked up from them, or anything that that they've um, mentioned to you, which makes you think this is why they are so far ahead of everyone? 
I think the the history of the of the All Blacks. I think that that helps a lot because then, you know, the players are pushing so hard to to make themselves the best best players they can be to to try and make the All Blacks. And I think that in itself is is such a powerful thing because you need to be the best of the best to to, to play for the All Blacks. So I think that really helps. I think any time I've I've played with All Blacks or played against them, that they always have a real good skill set in terms of just their skill errors, they're pretty much zero. Um, and, and I think they get that right throughout the, right throughout the pitch. You know, whether that's a props, you know, second rows, they can all play the ball, they can all uh, read the game. And I think that's just how they get brought up, understanding the game in, in their country and, and, the, and I guess the attitude to try and play the game. Hey, um, obviously, you're a busy man, Greg, so I'll, I'll be quick for the last couple. Um, would you rather have a flake or a twirl? Uh, flake. Like, yeah, and uh, as well as with the uh, the Japanese fans, um, you seem to be a bit of a dark horse uh, favourite amongst the ladies. Um, uh, a couple of whom are listeners to the podcast. Uh, so, if you could, could you just send a wee shout out to uh, Rhiannon and Yvonne for us, if you wouldn't mind? Yeah, hi, Rhiannon and Yvonne. I hope you guys are well. Yeah, um, cool. You might, you might have restraining orders against them already. I'm not too <laughs> sure, to be honest. Um, no, but that's that's great, Greg. Um, I, oh, actually, is it, is it Greg or Greg? We've been arguing about this. Just Greg. Just Greg. I, I thought as much as some people have been said otherwise. Um, look, Greg, thank you very, very much for joining me here. Um, that's been fantastic. Uh, you enjoy the rest of your day and enjoy your time in Japan. Pleasure. Thank you. Th- thanks, Greg. Cheers, Nick. Bye, Mike. Bye. So there we go. Mr. Greg. <laughs> wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, to be honest. <laughs> it was good. I enjoyed that. Well couple, done, of, Ian. couple of big takeaways. One is Greg is a fully paid up member of the uh, Cats at a Rave Club. Uh, absolutely. Rightly so. And who wouldn't be? I know. Yeah, VIP platinum access for that guy. Oh, I know, but it's interesting, isn't it, that that's obviously talked about within camp. That, that, see, that I think this, you know, the, it happened once, I think, in the Fiji match. I don't think it's happened again. I think um, Adam Hastings came on at full back. At Twickenham, yep. and I think he's played come on fullback in uh, during the World Cup in one of the games. I can't remember which one it was. Um, but again, I think it's obviously that that is seen as a viable option. Then, if it, the, the way he was talking about it, so that's quite an interesting thing. Um, the the other thing is obviously, I mean, the the, the uh, just obviously how much he enjoys playing with Finney, and you could really pick up on that. Yeah, I mean, oh, who wouldn't enjoy playing with somebody like Finn Russell? Um... You know, I mean, hopefully we'll see him back in a Scotland short soon. But uh, you know, he's 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 a sort of once in a generation player. I mean, I, I can't think. You know, through my lifetime, you've had uh, like say Chalmers. Uh, Chalmers obviously a great player, but maybe a sort of more controlling kicking ten in the sort of old garish mould. Um, whereas Finn, we know, we know what he's capable of. Like he said, he's probably the best attacking ten in the world. So. You know, it's for someone like Greg, who's Greg's more well, Greg as well. Obviously, having playing sad off a couple of times when he uh, had to get shifted there to accommodate Mike Blair, who is a wonderful player. Um, you know, just have somebody who is that mercurially talented. Uh, it must be tons of funny to just go right. I'm going to launch the ball at him and then see what happens. Um, yeah. And then John, I mean, he he's obviously um, it came out in. Gavin 
Gav Harper's article today that there'd been some you know contact with Danny Wilson at Glasgow, but he's probably looking at he's not going to be first or second choice or even third choice in in, in Glasgow. So that didn't really seem like it'd be much of an option. But obviously keen to when he's done, well, he's done it all now, hasn't he, Greg? He's done Lions, Barbars, Edinburgh, Scotland. So time to go and go you know, try try rugby in a different country, a different or a different continent. Yeah, I mean, he's, I like to add to that as well, as you say, you know, he's done England, he's done France, um, he's now done Japan, probably the only thing he's not done is Southern Hemisphere, but so so few players from the Northern Hemisphere go over and, and play Super Rugby, so um, no, he's, he's covered a lot of bases, and it's no surprise really that there would be tentative talks from, from Glasgow. Um, there was chat about obviously an experienced scrum half being required um, to come in as maybe third choice but in some ways you know Jamie Dobby's um, development last season was was quite um, quite impressive obviously and you've still got George Horn and Ali Price who would be your first choices um, so I'm kind of glad I, I've, I've made my feelings clear on I don't think Greg Laidlaw's game na- would naturally suit Glasgow anyway um, even accounting for any changes that Mr Wilson may make but I'm kind of glad for him that he's going away and you know the, the the stuff in Japan was obviously very exciting for him so it's it's a great opportunity it'll be really good it's good to see Scotland being represented in different countries as well um, and one of our best players uh, over the last wee while, going over and, and hopefully doing well over there. No, um, the, the other thing, did you guys see the uh, post from the Shining Arcs about how to pronounce the names of the players that are coming over? <laughs> so, it was like proper heavy English, like Grey Ray Raw. <laughs> so it's Grey Ray Draw for Greg Laidlaw, um, Liam Gill for Liam Gill, and then Anal Run. <laughs> what? For Anaru Rangi. Anaru Rangi. Yeah. yeah. Oh dear. So there we go. But uh, I mean, Google Translate for you. I did, I did look this. I did look it up, and it is it, apparently if if for Japanese people that don't speak English as a first language, and have been taught it, then the R and the L sound some sound very similar. They can pronounce them if they you know with with practice. But it's uh, so you can understand why they've done it because it's fairly straightforward for for it's Mr. Greg anyway. I don't know why they've not just written down Mr. Greg because that's what he was yeah, known as during the World just Cup. Just have that in the back of his shirt. Just yeah. Mr. Greg. Hey, Gregzilla. <laughs> Gregzilla. <laughs> if anyone's interested in the Gregzilla T-shirt, I believe Graham Love has has them on his Redbubble uh, store. Yep, and and face masks. And face masks. That's, yeah. that's what everyone, everyone wants. A, yeah. a Greg Laidlaw face mask. Um, the yeah, other... I was trying to get a Boba Fett one, but it was going to take eight days for delivery. Like, oh, no. It's ridiculous. Well, they make the the Redbubble ones are made in the states. We've got our Redbubble store. So they're taking about two weeks to turn up and about fifteen. It costs more to post them than it does to actually um, to, to, to actually buy them. Um, the other thing that's come out just today—I don't know if either of you have seen this—is John Barkley's interview on the offside line. Yes, which yes, is very interesting in in terms of—I mean, that's twice now that I mean, Matt, that's two players now who've left Edinburgh who are talking about a lack of communication with the coaches. And for all we hear about, oh, Cockers is, you know, he's a, a player's coach and they all love him and they all want to play for him and his communication's great. That's now two players who've who've come out and effectively said we didn't have any communication from the club. And Cockers, you know, Cockers playing a part in that. I think Matt Scott said he went to him and said, 
please, I'll play for anything. You know, I'll, I'll take a pay cut, whatever you've got left in the budget. And Cockrell, you know, had a role to play in finding him somewhere at Leicester. But Barkley effectively has come out today and said he was cut out of the leadership team group and he was essentially kind of sidelined by the, you know, given the clear indication you're not playing anymore, which is not a great indictment of the way things are going at Edinburgh at the minute, is it? Oh, well, thank you for um, urinating on my chips, Cammy, because that was my uh Is that your hands second. in the rock? That was, that was my backup hands second, in the rock. Second you know? hands in the rock. It's just like, Cammy's just going for it here. Um, yeah, no, it's it's. <laughs> There's it's not much remarkable. going on at the minute, Ian, so I've got to, I've got to pull up the new <laughs> no. Yeah, um, no, it's, I mean, for a guy like, you know, John Barkley is one of the sort of canniest operators that, that we've seen uh was he, was, he, was he 17 when he got first called up into a Scotland yep. camp? You know, ridiculously good player, ridiculously smart player. Um, and somebody who's not afraid to, to speak his mind. Um, to his cost, maybe, to, to be fair, to his cost, for, which is the reason why he, he, you know, he hasn't got as many caps as he should have. Well, allegedly so. He says that wasn't the issue, but I, you know, I think there, that maybe there is a semblance of truth in that. Uh, but no, like you said, you know, I think for him not to be included in a leadership group when he is, you know, he's captain Scotland, he captained the Scarlets, you know, and if you talk to a Scarlets fan, they, a lot of them say he's, you know, the best import player uh, that they've ever had. Um, and to not, to not try and mine that sort of knowledge that he has, um, I think is on criminal basically I means he's a fantastic player um and what is he now is he 30 he'll be 34 this year yep um but in an article he said you know he felt the last couple of years he'd been playing his best rugby um until obviously that that horrendous achilles injury at, at scotston which i was privy to and you know it's everyone in, in scotston stadium was, was on our feet applauding off um because nobody likes to see nobody likes to see anyone going off injured um, and particularly not somebody like that guy who has been sort of you know a Glasgow maybe legends maybe too too strong a word but you know, a guy who's you know bled and done everything he can for Scotland and Glasgow um, and, and to just sort of cut him out it's it's quite concerning and it echoes as well the uh, you know some of the her- things we heard about Finn Russell you know I mean this international class top class player guy with a lot of knowledge. And then the whole Boozgate thing happened, and it, one of the things was that apparently he was cut out of leadership groups. So it's, it's a wee bit worrying, I think. Um, yeah, and he's prime candidate for the you know the John Barker to me is a prime candidate for the Alkelic role of you know shift him upstairs. You know why is he not being? He said in the interviews talking about he's not entirely sure that coaching fits with what he wants to do because he's not. I think he's kind of a bit tired of the cycle of the of 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 of, of rugby and the way that it goes. But he's certainly talking about you know wanting to get you know set up his own leadership consultancy business, you know getting working with guys um, to to develop their skills. So even not coaching this, there would be you would think there'd be a role in Scottish rugby for someone like John Barkley, John. Yeah, absolutely. I think he. I think it was very telling when he became captain. Um, 
when obviously Wade Law was injured and and Barkley took over, and we all kind of saw it at the time as a you know the kind of the final uh, step in the recovery of John Barkley from the the from the he who shall not be named years through to to the end to become captain. But what what I think struck everyone at the time was just how articulate he was and how. He was just a very different presence. Very, you know, we, we saw him in press interviews afterwards. He was just this wonderfully articulate, calming presence. And there's, you can tell how passionate he is about rugby. He's not a guy who's going to stand, you know, kind of like an Alkaliq sort of style guy who's going to stand there and shout about how how good rugby is. He does it in a much more um, subtle way that. We need that to appeal to a certain type of person as well. You know, the the, the blood and thunder alcoholic approach isn't going to reach a lot of young kids out there. So having this um, world class athlete who is is very very down to earth, very kind of approachable as well, I think it it would be a massive loss for Scottish rugby if they don't encourage him into some some role. Um, within the team and particularly with I think we always overlook the experience that players like Barkley have you know as you rightly said Ian he, he came into the squad at 17 professional sport if you look at it across the piece professional sports people are getting younger and Barkley at the time was a bit of an anomaly you know you don't see many people coming through in their late teens to become professional sports people this has become this will become more of the norm especially in a highly attritional game like rugby. So the experience that he can pass as I was there, age 17, playing international rugby, I know how daunting it is. I, I was a kid. Uh, that that experience, you, you can't buy that. You can't go to the open market and get a coach that can teach these kids about that. And if we let that go, to to repeat Ian's phrase, that's criminal. Um, and there'll, there'll be a lot of questions asked if that if that does happen. You think, sorry, sorry, if, if Cammy is going to mention no, something no, there, but I mean, you think about, you know, Matt Smith, who, same position as him. Yep. If you think, like, if John Barkley maybe had a chance to speak to him and just say, look, mate, I know you're probably getting a bit stressed about stuff. Um, and Matt Smith's not had these injury problems to share. Um, you know what I mean? Matt Smith was a very, very, very talented player. Yep. And, and it's, you know, it's really upsetting to lose him. I mean, obviously, you know, if it's not for him, that's fine, you know, but uh, I don't, sometimes you, you worry about the, I mean, I've seen this again popping up somewhere else, I can't remember, but uh, sort of, you know, the psychological aspect of rugby and the fact that Scotland don't have a full-time psychological uh, sort of mental health coach or whatever. Yep. Uh, and the All Blacks do. Jason O'Halloran has been, you know, saying that for ages. Um, you know, if we need to keep, like, there's not a lot of Scottish rugby players. There's not a lot of people who are potentially great players. Uh, and you cannot just like throw away people who have that kind of knowledge of, you know, that depth of knowledge, not only in the game but in the sort of stressful situations like. Uh, long-term injuries and what have you, the man should be brought in to, to the Scottish rugby coaching fold or whatever, if he can be, as soon as possible. Um, yeah. Obviously, he's got his media commitments now, which he's very, very good at. Um, 
you know, he'd be he'd be a great loss if we don't try and get him involved. If he wants to, obviously, you know, maybe but he doesn't. But as Cammy was saying, you know, if he's if he's looking at leadership consultancy or you know setting up his own business and leadership, that's a that's a really good opportunity as well. You know, we saw, um, I think it, it was in the press today, Greg Laidlaw again talking about, you know, Scotland might might be we could possibly win the Six Nations in a couple of years time or you know two to three years time, but. A lot of that's going to come down to leadership, and we're losing. Uh, we we are in that you know, and you saw it in the Six Nations. We're in a period of transition where we've got lots of leaders on the park, but they've not been in leadership roles. Um, and having guys like Barkley around, even if he's in the media, he's still at the stadiums. He's still he's still there. You know, the the ability for a Stuart Hogg to have a wee word with John Barkley. Um, it does happen. We see these things happening. You know, if you're if you're behind behind the scenes at, at Murrayfield, you will see players talking to former colleagues, press, whatever. And those little conversations can can really add value. And again, I think there is an opportunity to balance up that media commitment and any other aspirations he has regarding kind of businesses or leadership with our role in Scottish rugby and you know the mental health aspect is a really interesting one he again has been through everything that Scottish rugby could throw at him he's lost a ton of games he's fell out with coaches he's been unceremoniously dumped by both pro clubs now <laughs> so he's, he's done it all um yeah we, we just we just can't lose that I think you're right Possibly I think it's, the, it's the knowledge retention isn't it half handsome as well I know it's, well, it's the uh it's that retention is it of knowledge that that we've never really had in Scottish rugby. The the idea of the these guys know what how to get out of tight holes and they can talk to the next generation about what they learned from the defeats. Yeah. And if no if we never learn from the defeats, then we're just gonna keep making the same mistakes year in, year out, every single tournament. And every time somebody loses moves on, you lose that knowledge to pass on. You know, we've been here before, we've been under pressure and we've either come out of it and this is what we've done or we haven't come out of it because we made the same mistakes you're now proposing to make behind the posts. You know, these they, th- that needs to be held on to. I mean, there was an interview, I think, I read with John Rutherford saying that he'd been asked to, by Gregor Townsend to speak to Finn Russell. I think Finn Russell's talked about this and said he found it really useful. And John Rutherford said, I don't know what I can tell him about playing rugby now, but I think it's not about it only it's technical stuff. It's more telling the stories of, you know, John Rutherford played in successful Scotland teams. And and having somebody tell players now what it's like to be playing in a successful Scotland team and mentally what made those teams successful has got to be a value. And you can we can't just keep losing losing players in the way that we lose them, in the way of just like you said, like leaving them to feel like they've been cast adrift. Fine, you know, John Barkley doesn't get a contract, but it's not doesn't feel to me in the same as the Matt Smith uh not the Matt Smith, the uh, Matt, Scott Matt Scott thing where there was a there was some assistance. Sounds like it was quite personal, you know, a personal touch from Richard Cockrell to find him a contract at Leicester. You know, John Barkley's talking about finding a club within a within a reasonable commute. I think you know Newcastle Falcons have probably got a budget to have someone like John Barkley on their team. Joe, you know I mean, and probably probably value having him as well. He might sail at a push, but it's not you know. But there's no. It doesn't feel like it's been. I know it's you know everyone talks about it being unprecedented times, but it doesn't feel like it's been done in a in a way befitting a Scotland captain. You're here to that. Um, we'll move on. Um, I, I'm going to do your next hands in the Rockian. <laughs> Should we do that? 
<laughs> so I just entitled this episode Ian's Hands in the Rock. Ian's Hands in the Rock. There was news this week. Reaching about stuff. I know. <laughs> news this week that a. Now, you may correct me on this. They're a community group uh, in Glasgow have done a freedom of information request and got plans for the proposed redevelopment of Scotston that was happening with the SRU and Glasgow Council. Am I right in that? I think because Glasgow Council own it. It's Glasgow Life, Glasgow which is a sort of offshoot of, of yeah, well, it's a sort of um, the leisure theory. department. Aye, aye. <laughs> Glasgow Council's leisure department <laughs> own, 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 and and obviously uh, Warriors play there. So they, I mean, it's been talked about. It's been fair. The SIU been fairly open about the need to redevelop Scotston and increase the capacity. It's been talked about for years. This, my understanding of this is. This has got nowhere near the council's planning department. This is purely just the SRU and Glasgow Life kicking about some ideas for some plans, getting them drawn up. People are outraged that they're not being consulted on it, but you get consulted during the planning stage. You even get consulted proper pre-planning stage when someone's actually thinking of putting in an application for a major something major like that. You would be there'd be a pre-application consultation with the public, then it would go in to the planning, and then you get notified, then you get your chance to comment, and then the council considers any comments you have on the plans and transport plans and all of that. This feels massively premature, Ian, doesn't it? Oh, just a touch. Oh, no, because I've, um, <laughs> I've been looking at some, like, you know, the article that came out um, from uh, West End today, Glasgow West End today or something like that, um, the Freedom of Information Act request comes from a meeting. Now, I've I've always like, like I've not been able to get hold of every single thing that I've I've tried. I've looked on it or everywhere. Um, what they're basically moaning about is preemptive plans, which for are stem from meetings in twenty eighteen. Um, and one of the biggest things is about the uh, the expansion of North Stand, which is actually where my season ticket is. The North Stand, which looks like a uh, for all those of you who watch games live, that's one that looks like a little row of circus tents with a train line running behind it. Um, and it just seems like absolute whinging little nimbyism. Um, so there has been... There, there's no planning permission being applied. It's just there was initial chats. Uh, but this community council have now sort of declared, oh, Glasgow Life said this and that. Now, the Freedom of Information Act, from what I've got, uh, um, I actually have the PDF here. Um, they say, "Oh, we will release more documents once we have them." Well, why, why didn't you just release them? See, they have the, the documents. Why did you just come out and make this statement? And uh, it seems to be just a spokesman. Um, one of our, our friends uh, has uh, looked further into this thing. Uh, this person has uh, access to. She's a community councillor, so oh, I was trying to not use pronouns. Damn, I've ruined it. Um, they've they've looked at, uh, they've dealt with that Jordan Hill community council before, and they've said they can be just a bit aggressive and whingy. Um, but what I particularly find sort of galling is they said that uh, the, the traffic congestion will be intolerable. Now, as a person who's been, who, I've had the season ticket at Scotland for seven years, um, Dane's Drive is not a, a major thoroughfare for, for the West End of Glasgow. It's a kind of be offshoot of a street. 
this this suggestion that it's going to make traffic congestion intolerable is absolute nonsense as far as I'm concerned, because we never play at peak times, do we? You know, the only time I've found that, that those streets have been congested is if I've gone early and therefore you've just got your Friday evening commuters. I've taken a taxi a few times up to Scotston and the only time you get congestion is if you're going through the Clayside Expressway and then you, you're hitting congestion because that's just because Glasgow's a busy place. <laughs> you know, you know, you, like you, the expressway leads on to the Barton Road, which takes you out to West, takes you out to Clyde Bank and all those kind of places. So it's just people commuting. Um, then they've moaned about how it would affect the allotments. Um, I've tried to look for uh, Victoria Park allotment stuff. I've tried to, you know, I've looked at, tried to look at images from where it's stationed, what have you, and the size of it. Uh, and how the North Stand expansion would affect would affect their growing ability. I mean, when it's Scotland, we're not going to get a lot of sun. <laughs> well, I had to put the heat on a couple of days ago. It's July. People um, have got marrows to look after, Ian. Come on. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe you should grow more suitable crops. Um, and it, it just it just sounds like absolute nimbyism and whinging. That stadium has been there since 1915, right? And uh, I, I remember, I can't remember if it was the 2015 semi-final or if it was the Scarlet semi-final. I was walking from the train station bus stop. I can't remember what mode of transport I'd used at that point. And there was genuinely a guy stood near Scotsland Stadium. He was stood at his window telling people, like he was just waiting for somebody to park, not blocking driveways or anything like that, not being a, a nuisance, just parking on a street. And he would like go out and go, Sorry, you can't park there. That's racist parking only. Is that the best thing you've got to do with a Friday night? And before any of them moan at me, be like, well, but you don't know what it's like. I live in the south side of Glasgow. I live like 400 yards away from Hamden Park, right? <laughs> parking around here is a nightmare without a major event at Hamden. The problem with Scotsdale is that the public transport is crap, right? Scotsdale train station, all right, it's not too bad. Fairly decent service. But if you take the bus, like the Warriors are, uh, you've got a Warriors ticket, you get a, a free bus code to use on first buses. The problem is, afterwards, like I can get a number six bus home from Scotland. Like it will take me basically door to door. It takes about an hour and a half, um, which is a, a pain. Um, but once at the end of the game, it goes to a, a one one bus per half hour service. So it's useless. You know, you can finish a game, you walk around at the bus stop and you're like, I've just missed one, that's me going to have to wait another half hour. Um, now obviously, like, the concept that they said oh, traffic congestion would be intolerable. Now, as John can probably tell you from Scottish Rugby Forum, people quite have often asked, like, I'm, I'm wanting to travel to the Warriors game, where can I park? And a thousand voices of unions and say you can't park anywhere nearby. No. You're best off using public transport. Uh, they, they just keep moaning about so oh, the traffic will be intolerable. You're not a major thoroughfare. Uh, it's not an issue. I've never seen major traffic congestion. Even if I was going early on a Friday night, let's say I was trying to get to the stadium for six half six, the only congestion is because people are trying to get home, and because they think maybe I can dive either like. Either side of Dane's Drive, where Scotland Stadium is placed, you've got the Barton Road and Great Western Road. 
uh, you know, those are busy, busy streets and much bigger streets. Uh, and most people will use them. It's, I, I just find it nimbyism. And also what really annoys me is it's myopic and short term, right? They're just looking at like, oh, this is going to affect me. This is going to affect my parking. If the stadium gets expanded, you're looking at, uh, obviously people, there's going to be construction workers in. So that's, that's jobs. And then once this expansion is completed, you're going to need more security staff. There's going to be extra concessions. Um, so it's, it's creating jobs. You know, it's going to create jobs and boost the economy. But all they're worried about, and even the people who are complaining about it, they don't actually say they've got allotments. It's like, oh, it might affect allotments. Uh, obviously, they've said, you know, there's there's more stuff they need to reveal. But, well, reveal it then. They've, they've got their freedom of information request in. Show us a whole lot. Or are you just whinging for the sake of whinging? And we saw it with Murrayfield as well, the expansion of Mini Murrayfield. People just start complaining about parking. <laughs> um, <laughs> Have you ever considered being a taxi driver, Ian? Because you know you've got the knowledge for uh, streets of oh, Glasgow. Man. Oh, man, no, no, man. I'm a, I'm a GPS man. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't go to like, screen share and start doing an annotated diagram. <laughs> so, like, so, so Dumbarton Road's here, right, Ken? And then... Ken, I'm not from Ayrshire. So I was thinking you were going to go more colloquial and sort of uh, bro, bro, uh, get the get the Kilmarnock listeners uh, engaged. What's the other option? I mean, because uh, is it Scotston then? Scotston a bust, or is there a? Do you think there's an option then to go back to kind of ground sharing elsewhere? For, now you've got now you've got a bigger now you've got more attend, but you know more people attending Glasgow games. I know back in the day when you're at. You know, where were the games played originally? Were they um, Furhill? Furhill. There was Hewenden before then, and Furhill. Hewenden, but... Furhill. So I mean, you know, and, and I know Furhill particularly is probably an empty playing in an empty stadium with one man and his dog watching. But you know, the crowds are bigger now. So you think, I mean, is that a realistic prospect to look at? You know, even Clyde, you know, going to share with Clyde or something—that's eight thousand capacity, isn't it? Yeah, but that's out the road though. That's quite far out the road. Yeah. That's basically cum- cupboard all now, isn't it? Like, I, yeah. I, it's quite quite fun. I think I think part of the issue with that is that Glasgow have set their stall a lot by Scotsdens now their home. So it's kind of the the way they've brought everything in house into Scotsden, which they didn't do it for Hill or uh, or elsewhere. Um, I think there is a real desire for Scotsden to become, you know, a more a more permanent home for Glasgow uh, and with that you know if they could get the capacity up slightly that that would be would be good and it is funny hearing people people talking about parking and stuff like that because you, you know yourself that you you get told constantly don't drive to games don't drive to games um and yeah I agree the public transport can be a bit difficult at times and certainly for me for me you know I'm I'm only I'm 20 minutes drive from Scotston from my house and if I was taking public transport I'm an hour and a half um so you know it's a it's a it's a good chunk extra time but you know if you just time it right you've got the clubhouse there's beer you just got you just got to time it right it's not outside the realms of possibility for the club to to, to, to put something in place as well because you know we, we we went down on our away trip to sale and we had about 20 options of shuttle buses free shuttle buses from around Manchester you know we took the shuttle bus from the Arndale which is the 
yep. the, the most bizarre place I've ever been to in the world. But, you know, we took the shuttle bus. <laughs> they had regular shuttle buses going from the shopping centre. But we could have gone to Didsbury and got a shuttle bus. We could have gone to central Manchester and got a shuttle bus. So it can't be beyond the realms of possibility that if Glasgow are going to increase the capacity, like you said, Ian, brings in more money, brings in more funds, to use that money to say, look, if we want to bring more people into the ground, we have to put the inf- we have to invest in shuttle buses. That can't you know that can't be a that's that can't be a that's not a big ask, is it? I mean, you just like you've got Buchanan bus station, which has got some like fifty stands. You know, like you just one, but so current capacity. I think it, like the um, this was one another thing that annoyed me was the article it said that oh they're looking to expand the stadium to fourteen thousand. Uh, Fourteen thousand seven hundred fifty, which was never a, a number mentioned. It was either it was twelve hundred, twelve thousand five hundred, to maybe expanding to fifteen thousand for major games. Um, like you said, it's not a difficult thing to do. You know, just put a shuttle bus on for people. People can go into the city centre, bang, there you are, over at Scotland. Um, you know, it's but funny you should mention sale because I, uh, I think it was last week Rock Magazine. Uh, rock website, sorry. Um, they'd said the three worst stadiums in the UK, and of the three, two of them were Scotston and the AJ Bell Stadium because <laughs> because they're so inaccessible. You know, and this is the West End of Glasgow. Glasgow's like Glasgow and Manchester are massive places. Hmm. Right, fair enough. Sales a wee bit kind of like sort of outskirty, but uh, Scotston's one of the places like Clyde Bank. You know, Clyde Bank's massive part of Glasgow, uh, but it's just it's poorly serviced. Um, you know, we've we've seen there's been transfers before. I, I mean, there's a a game on a Sunday. I think we're it was a good few years ago. We we're playing Exeter Chiefs, and I was going to get train home on a Sunday, and on Sunday they just kept the normal Sunday service on. It's one an hour, you know, just to get back into Glasgow city centre. Um, yeah, so it's like there's, there's major public transport issues. Silver Saturday, for like, that disaster. Um, trying to get back from Edinburgh that night. Uh, you know, I think the SRU have to maybe get a bit more involved with uh, ScotRail or First Bus and say, look, we know there's going to be. There's, I, mean, that's, I can't understand why ScotRail or First Bus wouldn't be going. Tell you what, we're going to see if we actually had a reliable service. We can make so much more money off of this, or if we just stick in our couple of carriages on. I imagine that their profit margin would be far greater if they can say, "Look, tell you what, here's a f- easy service." I nearly swore there. Sorry. <laughs> here's an easy service to get to the stadium. There's another two thousand, you know, fares that we are going to take. Um, but they don't. I think I think there's there's something to be said for the. Um... I think there's been a there's been a, a reticence to kind of commit to providing some service like that purely from a you know Glasgow. I've I've been at Scotland for quite a few years now, but there always has been the chat about you know it's expand or we need to look at other options, and I think there has been a wee bit of kind of they've tried a few things. They've tried obviously with the buses and stuff like that, but there has been a wee bit of a kind of reluctance to really kind of commit to, you know, like they get the full weight of the SRU behind you, Scott Rail partnership, off we go. 
there has been a kind of reluctance to do that. I think if there was more commitment to, you know, if we say Scotland's going to be expanded to X capacity, and with that comes a renewed lease, obviously when, when the, the AstroTurf went in, Glasgow Warriors or the SRU, should I say, were involved in the funding of that. They paid, they paid a chunk of that. So, you know, there has to be a willingness from probably from the SRU to, to really engage in that area and say, right, we need to we need to get the services up to scratch. We need to get the bus companies delivering. We need to get the trains more frequent, both both at Scotsman, but also you know when you've got um, Murrayfield and Mini Mini Murrayfield, whenever that. Although again, you know, do you really need a service for like twelve people? So. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> that's going in the ledger. That's uh, Sandy gets one back next time he's on. Sandy gets a free shot next time he's on. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to say. I was going to say. On, on the other hand, that you know, the S, you know, getting this all in place would require the SRU to actually pay attention to what's going on in Glasgow. Oh yes. <laughs> oh, snap. Oh. Um, now, all, all have all you know, Cameron. We have that's... quite. We have like quite a few second rows now. We've got tons of second rows now. Yes, are you are clearly listening to us. <laughs> We've got four and Rob Harley. <sighs> Rob Harley. Rob Harley's twice. two men. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading, I see saw today that Richie Gray's the tollest ever player for Glasgow. The tollest Warriors. ever one yeah, yeah, yeah. well. yeah. nah, yeah. He's not he's not though Richie Vernon's taller, just because he is. Because he is, because he's Richie Vernon. Um so um anyway. the uh <laughs> We'll move on from there. The other news is uh, that club rugby might be back in Scotland in October. Hey. There's a long way to go, though. I would say that uh, the SRU have released their roadmap that's been approved by the Scottish government. Um, the aim is to get competitive club rugby back up and running in Scotland in October. I think there's some suggestion that some local games might be able to be played in September as kind of like we warm-ups. Um, it's good, though. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's nice to give... Uh, an idea that the, some normality may return. I mean, whether or not we get there and whether or not we the roadmap can be easily followed and we don't divert off somewhere into another lockdown <laughs> if this second wave turns up. But it, it, it's, it must be that kind of feel good for the players and, and those involved in the clubs that there is some idea of when things are going to come back, John. Yeah, I think absolutely. And I, I think for a lot of, a lot of um, players just now, there'll be... Again, I can't, there'll be a realistic approach to, to know that, you know, we can say things are going to come back. And obviously, you know, professional sports are a bit different. They're kind of pushing for a lot of professional sport to come back because the amount of money that's involved and in that, you know, even just from thinking about the Premier League and the amount of money they've had to pay because they weren't able to, or they were kind of breaching their uh, television deal. They've had to pay out something like 330 million uh, in compensation back to the TV companies. So it's the amount of money involved in professional sports makes it such a priority to get it back. For amateur sport, you're obviously looking more at the the kind of social aspect and the mental health aspect, and these are really really important. But I don't think it will be done particularly in Scotland, it won't be done at the expense of or at the risk of public health. So I think it's great to see there's a roadmap and it's great to, to hear that we might be seeing some club rugby very soon. Uh, I would also temper that with, I think it could all go away very quickly as well. 
Uh, yeah. I think everybody will be aware of that. One interesting thing that's come out of this is the, the SRU have been very clear that it's not going to be club rugby as we know it. You know, you're not going to cut the 20, what would be 20, 20, 20, 21 season is not going to be, you know, the normal leagues, normal cups. It's going to be something very different. I mean, there's talk about what it looks like we don't know yet, but there's talk about regionalizing it. And to a certain extent, that makes sense with 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 coronavirus. If you know the, the whole, you end up with with local lockdowns. You know why stop games on the west coast if say there's a flare up in Edinburgh? Do you know, let, you know by all means you know stop games in Edinburgh? But there's no reason why the rest of the country can't be playing rugby if that's allowed under the rules. It also, I think, longer term is interesting because for years people have been talking about regionalising ru- club rugby in Scotland because from a player point of view it's much more attractive to someone playing for a club if they know they're not going to be losing an entire day or even an overnight in some cases. You know, look at Berwick going up to Orkney, that was an overnight, and there were probably two overnights, really. You're not, you know, you're there and back in a day. And even, you probably, most of the time, you you, you know, you'll get your evening with, you know, back at home with your family if you want it. Cause not everybody, you know, a lot of people go to the clubhouse afterwards, but not everybody does. So that's got to be a massive... That's going to be interesting, I think, to see how well whether that becomes the new normal, which is kind of banded around Ian. Yeah, well, we saw like um, the Friesen Gallery; had, uh, they've only just had their um, there was a sort of specific lockdown imposed on them recently. Um, but also, I, I spoke to uh, Bill Folds, um, who's the president of Falkirk Rugby Club, uh, a few months ago, and he was saying like like you were saying, Orkney, Orkney's travel expenses. For the year, are sixty thousand pounds a year. You know, it's been it's, it's ridiculous for for a a small local club to be, you know, to, to ask them to go down to you know, say Berwick or whatever. You know, that's it's, it's a massive ask. Um, but whereas if you get, oh, if you do it sort of west, you you can also sort of bring back the regional stuff as well. You yeah. know, it's uh regional selects like like what they're doing in New Zealand um, with the North East South Island kind of deal um, it, you know it'll save money for for fans fans will be more willing to go if they're like alright I just need to like, drive down to air or whatever um, it's yeah there is a, a I think there will be a big benefit to it hopefully the games will be very competitive as well uh, but we'll need to still wait and see, you know, how how the the virus dies down. We'll, you know, we'll see if, how how much movement we can actually make. Um, but yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a very different landscape. Uh, I imagine the the cup competition will be scrapped. Yeah, um, it'd be interesting longer term, like you said. It'd be, you know, you just imagine regional regional leagues, like you said, representative regional sides. Bring back the south. Bring back the you know, Caledonia. Have the best players for club rugby going and playing in these representative sides against each other once people are able to travel. And there's you know, there's 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 a shop window for the super six for younger players. And for older players, just a chance to go and play, you know, at you know, a, a representative level. That sounded almost like you were talking about what the super six was meant to be there, Cameron for a <laughs> Almost, John, almost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, idea of uh, four for aligned academies uh, represented by semi-professional teams. Um, all from that, Edinburgh. All, all from Edinburgh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As I was going to ask you and what you thought, who would win the East versus West, but um, with the Super Six, obviously, it's not really 
I mean, we, we, we've got air, uh, and I mean, we would have to claim the borders clubs for our own, wouldn't we? I think, I think, well, I, th- I, th- I think, given the relationship between the borders clubs and Edinburgh, I think they'd probably quite happily. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you'd have to get them to all agree to that first, but I think, you know, you'd probably have an easier job persuading Edinburgh to align with Glasgow than you would do for <laughs> align with Edinburgh. Let's see, um, I don't. Uh, I don't know if you, you saw it, guys, but uh, a post that Glasgow Hawks, it was a very, very long post mm. Glasgow Hawks put up, um, and they've they've managed to, um, Andy Hill, the head coach there, uh, he's um, he's managed to get a second 15. Uh, That's up, fantastic. So they're going to have a second 15, which is good. I mean, the Hawks, they've, they've brought through a number of number of international you know, guys, like recent guys like Xander Fagerson, Scott Cummings, George Horn. Um, although I do remember, uh, oh, who was it? Uh, Alistair, one of their, uh, their presidents there, he was uh, quite disparaging about Lilia Masanga. He was like, he just, <laughs> yes. he's like, he just didn't look interested when he came here for a training session. Um, no, but I mean, the more local talent you get, the better. Um, and if I think if, if you've got a connection to say, this thing like you look at the Glasgow Warriors team, a lot of them are not. Glasgow War West people, you know, yep. the, the Horn Brothers, uh, you know, the three, how a five, um, you know, and so the more interest we can get and getting people playing, just get people playing and then, and then see see where we go from there. But obviously, you know, what the, the issues we've got the new, <laughs> when are we actually going to start playing again? Yeah. Glasgow Hawks was one of the first places I played away that I had run in hot water. <laughs> Sometimes you don't even get that muddy field. <laughs> Running water. Chain, I mean, it's, the changing is, rooms were palaces. I was say, this is, uh, we could turn this into the four Yorkshiremen sketch from uh, Monty Python. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Running hot, hot water. water. You had running water. <laughs> <laughs> When I played, you had to take a shower and a tub at the back. <laughs> you had to bring your own sponge. <laughs> I, re- I remember up at, um, I think it was Lanark, had uh, an FM just watch, oh, watching or listening from Lanark. Uh, hi, uh, how you doing? Um, but they'd set up, so their showers weren't bad, but they'd set up um, the kind of the wheelie bin style ice buckets for their players. Um, and it was like the most brutal looking things you've seen these these buckets like i think they stole them from a council estate or something and then just slapped a bunch of ice in them they were absolutely horrendous they were manky yeah. and they were horrendous probably catch uh, legionnaire's disease from going in one <laughs> I do. all sorts of illnesses were taking place in these buckets uh yeah horrendous you jump out of the ice bucket there's a homeless person at the bottom mate. <laughs> Not far off. Yeah. Uh, any more news before we move on to our next section? Uh, as, as, as we were saying, another... Oh, um, Luke Hamilton. Luke oh, Hamilton, yes. yes. Luke not Hamilton's coming, on the move. Not coming to Glasgow, though. No, he's going to uh, Oyana. Yes. In, in France, oh. Division 2. Alongside uh, another it. former warrior, I believe. Uh, no, but he's playing with um, oh, him, uh, Paris Taylor. Yeah, former warrior. Paris Taylor. They, was he a warrior? Yeah, he was a warrior. Why have you on a high pitch? <laughs> it's what I do when I'm right. <laughs> ah, so I think the higher you speak, the more right you are. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, I, Hamish Baines signed for Glasgow as well. Yep. Yes. So we now oh, well, four and a half locks if you count Rob Harley. Yeah. Um we'll see we'll see if Richie Gray's back holds up to the things. Uh, uh, what 
what they say about the Arterfield pitches, well, that's gonna surely that's gonna be an issue for Richie's back. You know, I know a lot of people say like guys with knee injuries, like or long term knee issues, they're like, don't train on hard pitches, just play. Um, although I mean, I don't know what the science is on these kind of you know the artificial yeah, forces. I think there's there's loads of different. You read loads of there's lots of conflicting articles. I think the ju- ultimately the jury's out. I mean, I know when my brother played for Tyndale. Uh, someone in one of the games, and this was reported in the national press, they got um, MRSA from an artificial pitch. Was it really from the pitch, though? <laughs> Who knows? Well, no, but a lot of the players, a lot of the other players, including my brother, did get ill after playing there. Oh. Um, was so... it the pitch or the ice buckets? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, I want to get that right. Yeah, Superbug. Rugby matches were called off. Amazing. They all got called off because um, a player contracted MRSA, and loads of loads of the other players for Tyndale after that match had unexplained illnesses and fevers. Oh. Of course, there was the stuff with the the, the Scarlets players moaning about the Scotsdale pitch as well, with the burns um, from well, the things. So that was just a remarkably hot day. It was really warm. They they watered the pitch like they said they'd put three times as much water as they would usually do, but it was just, it was stinkingly hot that day. I think, I think was... the other thing is though, that none of the Glasgow Warriors players were reporting injuries, so it might just be soft Welsh skin. Is, is, <laughs> is there something in that though, um, around the kind of, obviously again, there's an investment being made in that pitch and um, we can't be seen to be disparaging our home turf, can we? Well, I think there's a thing to do with, I think when you when I read up on it, as far as I can tell, the artificial t- pitches are fine so long as they're looked after. And that's yeah. the bottom line with it. If it's maintained, it's properly looked after. There's nothing wrong with an artificial pitch. If you're going to play rugby the way the Scarlets play it, then, you know, that's their, that's their problem. Glasgow Warriors what, are on, adapted. On, on grass. <laughs> you look at, you know, Nico Matawal has just, you know, adapted his game so he never never gets tackled and never uh, <laughs> has, to, has to fall down and take contact. So John, did you did you ever go through a Kilmarnock for a Warriors game? Uh, yeah, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah that, a... that pitch is horrendous. <laughs> the seats. There's like I'm not a particularly tall man. I'm only about yeah. five foot ten. I'm five foot ten and a half. So I same, you're, the same, you're the exact same height as me. There's uh, there's a, a factoid for the listeners. I mean, sitting in there and you're like your your knees were jammed up against the guy in front yeah. of his head. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, there is rumours that. They had built the stadium to the specification of Ayrshire men. Um, and, and... <laughs> Who are all tiny. <laughs> oh, I'm being very cheeky tonight. Yeah. Um, just just for, for completion, Ian, um, Taylor, Taylor Paris was at Glasgow 2012, 2013, made two professional appearances. Uh, he also oh, turned right. out for Dundee HSFB. Um, so, yes, he's a former warrior. Just thank you, thank you for that. It's two times more times than Lima Masanga played for Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I remember when we signed Masanga and thinking that's like oh, exciting, wasn't it? It was, but we should know better. Like any former All Black that signs for Glasgow is going to be keek. That's the rules. He had, he had one really good game. Uh, he came in as a sub and he like he took a couple of great high balls and it was like carving up, but. It was the same with Corey Flynn. Corey Flynn had like two good games. I yeah, I I admit my my story about Corey Flynn was I he was warming up with Pat MacArthur um before a game I was covering it for the blog. And uh, and they were doing so they do the the main stand at Scotston, they do the, the line out throws uh, so the, the the guy who's starting is throwing up into the stand and the ball gets passed back to him. 
uh, and he was like throwing with Pat MacArthur. I think it got to the point where he'd missed him like about 25 times in a row. He just could not hit him. And it, I mean, it wasn't a difficult throw. It was like, you know, you're talking maybe 10 metres at most and he just, he just couldn't get his head around it. And you're thinking, that's your core job, mate. I'm a bit afraid for what's going to go. The line out went fine in the game, but his warm-up was cataclysmically bad. He <laughs> needs that extra pressure to perform. I say, yeah, yeah. Right, let's do. Let's close this up now. Let's do hands in the ruck. Um, John, we'll start with you, and then Ian can have think of something because I stole his too. I say you're giving him a wee bit of thinking time. That's quite um, quite nice of you. So um, I, I'm I'm going to have a, a wee bit of a moan about. Um, so as uh, we've said previously in, in this episode, we've talked about the kind of amateur rugby game coming back and the roadmap to to seeing some rugby again. Um, and I'm starting to get on certain forums and certain online platforms, there's a growing kind of irritation with the lack of information that's been provided uh, with regards to the international game. Um, and, you know, people moaning about um, why why has nobody told me when this, you know, when will information about the Scotland-Wales rescheduled Six Nations game, when will I get this information, when will, I, will my ticket be valid, when will I be able to buy tickets, organise this, organise that. And it just, it's not a good look. When you read people talking about that, when, you know, we, we all know what's going on, out, on in the world out there. We all know the numbers uh, involved in what's going on in the world out there. And you've got people moaning about a bloody rugby ticket. It's it just it really really sticks with me and it makes me quite quite disappointed in people that that's you know I appreciate rugby's a huge, rugby's a huge part of all our lives and you know I I want just as much as everybody to be able to go and watch a game of rugby or to see some rugby on the television but um, there's bigger things going on just now and I'm just having a wee bit of a wee bit of kind of dignity about it would be really quite um sensible i think yeah i think i think and you know we were all you know we all want to see rugby back we all want to start watching some you know rugby that isn't you know in in, in another part of the world we all want to see the players that we know and love playing we all want yeah. to see international rugby back because god knows it funds the rest of it but you're right i mean and even if like we said in the last episode even if international rugby comes back there's going to be nobody in the stadium watching it or very few people in the stadium watching it. And the idea of... I mean, even the idea of kind of a Scottish team travelling to Wales or a Welsh team, Welsh team travelling to England and even you know, before you even get started with getting the teams over to Ireland and France, those are big, you know, those are big obstacles to overcome. I mean, you know, I was thinking the other day, even, you know, logistically Berwick getting over the border to play Duns. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> You've got two, you know, two, di- two different... You know, completely different systems. Literally, um, you know, a few miles over the border, different rules, different categories. So, so actually, you know, arranging that's just a local game. Arranging big international matches requires a lot. Logistically, requires a lot. So, I think you're right. I think it needs to be given time. There will be announcements. As somebody um, pointed out on the the blog, one of the comments, and I think it's the smidge pointed out, Scotland will want to play this autumn because they need to get Duhan van der Merwe, um and Ollie Kebble. And Jack Vanderbilt, lesser extent, Stent Vanderbilt, yeah, yeah, tied down. That I wonder we wanting to get James Lowe as well. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, where did that one come from? What an absolute crime that they've managed to like get him Irish qualified. By the way, I'm I'm I remember seeing him in Super Rugby and thinking that guy looks amazing. And by the way, I bet he's got Scottish blood somewhere in him. And then Leinster going hoover him up, disgusting. So, oh, great as well. Like once the Pro 14 starts back up, mind who Munster have signed. Ah, yeah, basically the Springboks. How have they got that much money? What's, what's going on there? Like we're we're brassic, right? I, we, can, yeah. we can't even afford to sign. Like I imagine Nakarawa's taking a massive pay cut. Yeah, you know, would we, think so. We've got the bare bones here squad, and they're like, all right, we can still pay Snyman and Dale Endy. Um, and they've both been playing Japan, so you know they weren't on buttons there. Yeah. Um, well, you know. There's there's something to be said about the location that Munster play in, um, and potential. Oh, Ian's just making faces. Sit <laughs> <laughs> back on mute. <laughs> uh, yes, I'm sure the I'm sure that Munster will be okay in the coming years. Yeah. Um, financially. See, man, I I genuinely fail to understand how like Ireland, who have a smaller national stadium than us. How do they have that much money in that union to pay for four pro teams? Not only that, pay all the Leinster players enough. Guys like James Ryan, Johnny Sexton, they're not on buttons, are they? And then they can then afford to pay little, like DLND, Stein, World Cup winning Springboks. <laughs> why are we skint? And why are Scotland the Wales skint? It's because we don't have and- any international referees, mate. <laughs> that's that's where the big money is. That's where the money is. That's that's just think of all the money that comes Getting in when you when you're when you when you when you know you've got Clancy coming up, you're going to fund Ireland. That's all I'm saying. I mean, you know, it's I suppose the must maybe the rent rug, world rugby pay. Well, that's it as well. Yeah, I mean, half of Dublin is 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 rugby rugby, rug, rugby infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the Irish economy is practically is basically world rugby and apple so um <laughs> d4 postcode that's where all the world company goes i <laughs> see i only recently found out because i've used the term d4 quite a lot obviously talking about the d4 conspiracy and i've only just found out what d4 meant i just thought it just was some like I just took it as a like a derogatory derogatory nah. way of talking about the the Irish rugby institutions, but no, I, I've Watch only just realised it's the postcode. <laughs> That's saying like like Ireland doesn't have um, like one of my old jobs. I used to like uh, have to send out letters to uh, foreign addresses. So I have to. You, go you, you're website. a postman, Ian. <laughs> no, no, no. I was uh, I was altering addresses to make sure that this post was reached. Um, Ooh. And and uh, I like Ireland never had postcodes. It's only Dublin that's got postcodes. Nice. Um, well, well, that's it. You just you just you write to someone in Ireland and just write Dave yeah. from <laughs> Steve on that farm down there by Cork. <laughs> the postman <laughs> like, will go, oh, I see. ah, Steve. Ah, no, no, no worries, Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> Again, showing your talent for accents. Accent has a beautiful New Zealand accent there, Ian. Um, <laughs> Go on, the folk for the court. go on then, Ian. Go do your hands. Have you got? Have you managed to think of a hands in the rock or have I stolen them both? Uh, in the last half hour, no. <laughs> um, you, 
Me, me stealing yours. <laughs> All right. That's fair. I'll Yellow put in the cops. ledger. <laughs> um, mine is this week. I've been um, having a lot of fun on Twitter this week, taking part in what some people have called, and and those people and those people are on the wrong side. Um, the rugby culture wars. Um, for a lot of people might not know, um, because these things only happen on Twitter, and, and Twitter is a bit of a bubble. It's not real life. It's about actually like a computer game. That's the only way to get through it. Um, score points for every time someone famous <laughs> mutes you for for haranguing them for being racist. Um, the exit. The main thing that's come out, I think, is there's been a few things over the last few weeks that have annoyed me um, greatly. But the, the big thing recently is Exeter Chiefs for Change. It's a fan-led campaign to get, and by fan-led, I mean fans of Exeter Chiefs, fan-led campaign to get them to drop the racist branding, which is uh, a Native American in full headdress. They also, I understand, have a mascot who is a caricature of a Native American with a headdress. They all turn up to matches wearing Native American headdresses, and they do a dance called the Tomahawk Chop which all sounds like something that should happen in the 1980s, but it's not. It's happening... Well, it's not happening right now because of coronavirus, but it is happening until recently <laughs> down in Exeter every match day and at away games too. Now, the, this group of fans have said, look, there's no problem with being called the Exeter Chiefs. You were called the Exeter Chiefs for for, for lots of years. The problem you've got is, is the branding. Native American groups uh, in America have talked about the problems with having their culture appropriated for sports teams. The Redskins, uh, Washington Redskins, have just um, announced that they're dropping their branding, but only after Coca-Cola. And um, I think Nike refused to stock any of their shirts anymore. And Coca-Cola refused to sponsor them. So they've, um, or might even Pepsi even. Uh, so they, they've, they, they, they're going. Um, but there is, this is, you know, Native Americans have said, we don't want them this happening. Please don't do it. Um, the fans have said they've, you know, they've they've all said they've worn the shirts. They've done it for years, and you know now is the time to think about making the change. The response to that has been for some people to absolutely lose their head and decide to die on some very strange hills. Um, <laughs> the another your group of, protect statues. I your <laughs> protect statues indeed. Um, the counter argument to this because balance is important, even when uh, there's... I don't think there should be balance in this argument, but there you go. Um, is another group of fans have set up their own petition. They say that they are honouring the Native Americans. <laughs> like Ian's face there is a picture. They are honouring the Native Americans uh, by uh, having the imagery and you doing the tomahawk chop and having a Native American mascot dance around um, the stadium. Um, I would say that I don't know. Have you have you asked any Native Americans if they wanted to be honoured in that way? Because the answer is categorically no. If you do any googling and reading, <laughs> just while Ian's got his mic on mute there. Um, the other argument is that they um, well, they don't really seem to have any other argument other than we've done it for ages. The other argument I've heard, which was on the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast, I'm going to say who it was because it's been them I've been having arguments with this week on Twitter. Um, is that this is part of woke culture and cancel culture and that um, we shouldn't be easily offended. I think Leon Blood Mud um, was talking about this yesterday and he said, well, we're not. it's not that we're offended, it's just that we're pointing out, because you know, I'm not Native American, I'm nothing to be offended by. I'm not really offended on their behalf, I'm just pointing out that it's 
that it that they are offended and that it's wrong. That's fine. It's not you know, we can't sit here in silence and say, you know, it's it's fine not to be racist, but then to be anti racist you have to call this stuff out and say it's wrong. And you know, there aren't many Native American people caught, you know, in Exeter to call it out, and we shouldn't have to wait for them to call it out. And it's fine to say this is wrong. So if you go and find the go and find the go and find the um, the petition, please sign it. I think there's some suggestion that Exeter Chiefs are going to make a, an announcement about this soon. Um, I don't know whether that'll be a positive announcement or not, but I think some of the stuff that came out of this, I think there was one was that this is somehow cultural Marxism. Um, which was that was that was a pretty special um, argument. Um, the other one was uh, today was trying to somebody had posted a an an, an art it was a a, a cycle psych, like a from the American Psychological Association had done a, a, a research on this and the psychological impact of Native American imagery and marketing in the. Um, on Native Americans, and and the the study showed that it had a negative effect, unsurprisingly. And the response to that was, um, they haven't used proper citations, and it's not a properly well researched document. Um, it was on the American Psychological Association, who are the largest association of psychologists in America. Now, I'm not saying they're infallible by any stretch, but it was a peer reviewed document. And they said the some of the the other response was, well, some of the documents being posted by Exeter Chiefs for Change. Um, they're not properly academic documents that have been peer-reviewed. And when I found, pointed out that one of them was, we got no response. What the response was, when was the last time you played rugby? <laughs> My response was, why does that matter? To what it says, it doesn't matter. I just want to know. You can tell. I said, how can you tell? I'm going to mute you now was the response to that. So that's been immense fun. Um but there is, there is. It's not just the exit chiefs for change thing. There has been this. There is an element, I think, of rugby that doesn't want to change, and Egg Chase is a part of that. Andy Good is another part of that. Andy Good, who this week put on a tweet, Ian Ian's really enjoying the fact that he can still commute his mic, but still make uh, faces at me. Now we, we're doing this by video. Um, <laughs> Andy Good, who tweeted this week. Um, which I you know it's it's a it was racist what he said he said I've never I don't understand why people react the way they do when they're pulled over by the police. If I was pulled over, I would just act normally, which is in response to the two uh, black British athletes who were pulled over by uh, the police in London this week. I think if you're denying people's experiences that they're telling you that they have been pulled over repeatedly for no other reason other than the color of their skin, that is racist. To not acknowledge yeah. your own experience of saying, well, I've never been pulled over by the police, but I'm perfectly aware of why that is. It's because I'm white. Ian was pulled over by the police once, but that's because he drove the wrong way up a dual carriageway. That's fair enough. You know, that's, you're going to get pulled over by the police for that, Ian. Doesn't matter the, the I did not skin. drive the wrong way, didn't the wrong uh, carriageway. I, uh, I, I skipped lanes over the, uh, what they call it? Chevrons, the Chevrons, yeah. What, what are I, they called? That's probably I, your first failure there, buddy. <laughs> but that's going, you know, no, that's going to get that's going to get you pulled over by the police, though, isn't it, Ian? You yeah. know, yeah, Aye. right. But you <laughs> got friendly, ch- you got, but you got friendly chat. Actually, no. See the, um, well, the... <laughs> yeah, actually no. What <laughs> what one of the cops is all right. The other one was about a bell end. <laughs> um, 
But I acted nice. He's like, sorry, mate. But um, yeah, the the insult you're talking about there, uh, yeah, the uh, oh, sorry, I can't mean her name. Uh, British athlete, uh, is it Bianca Williams, her name, and then her boyfriend, who's a Portuguese 400 meter runner. Um, they said they'd only been pulled over. Uh, not only been pulled over. Um, ever since they bought a sixty thousand pounds Mercedes, they've been pulled over twenty times in the last like two or three years, right? So, uh, if Andy Good is driving in the road in a sixty grand Mercedes, he's not getting pulled over, is he? And it's not only just that; it's just the way that they're dealt with, the way they're spoken to. Um, even just before that, a week before that, I'd seen that on Channel Four News uh, there was a guy who'd been on Channel 4 News talking about sort of systemic racism uh, on the news and then on his way back from the interview he got pulled over by the cops who smashed his window in and I've seen the video you know it's, I mean, like I, I wrote a rather offensive reply, <laughs> well I had spare words um, to when you'd mentioned this and I said look I says, I, I, I've deleted Andy Good. I, I deleted Egg Chase as well ago and I've booted a lot of people who I used to regard as friends off my Facebook because they just you can't argue with it, you can't reason with them. You can say, look, here's these statistics, here's this, here's this and they go, aye, but blah, blah, you know, all the all these matter kind of crowd. You aren't you've never experienced that discrimination because you are not that kind of people. You, you are not a black person. You you don't get treated the same way. And the, the stats are, you know, the statistics are there. You know, is I think uh, black people are like something like six times more likely to be pulled over, um, eight times more likely to be uh, stopped and searched by police. Mm. Um, you know, these these are these are just standout facts. You well, can't argue with that. Well, Ashton Hewitt, who's a um, who's a black player for the plays for Dragons Rugby, he replied, He retweeted Andy Good's tweet and said, it's pretty hard not to get frustrated when you're stopped and searched because you're black. And Alice Genge replied and said, he's been pulled over twice in the last month. And the reason being, there's a lot of breaking and entering in the area. Right, and that's, I mean, Alice Genge, just, he's, he's not exactly low profile, is he? You know, I mean, the guy's got a win and try against Scotland recently. It's, I mean, this is this is definitely it's the same thing. Do you think, wait, like, do you think Owen Farrell's been pulled over uh, recently for uh, driving for... without arms? <laughs> <laughs> That's quite good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's 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 just this failure to acknowledge that these things are happening from people who are not in that category group. You know. Uh, yeah, and I, like I said, you know, I've, I've stopped following Andy Good because of that kind of thing. It's not the first time you said stuff that I highly disapprove of. Um, same with the Egg Chasers. I've, I've chucked them a while ago. Um, and it is a, this complete failure to acknowledge that someone who is... who you, you don't experience that. You know, they do. You don't. What gives you the right to then call it out and say, oh wait, well, it's just nonsense. So, you know, I've, I've had issues with cops before. I'd, I'm not an anti-cop person, right? But I've had, you know, I mean, uh, we were well ago, uh, night out in town, right? We'd seen the homeless guy getting beaten up. So I ran around the, the corner to go and find a cop. It just so happened as I did that, 
a friend of mine was getting arrested by a cop for arguing with his wife and apparently getting in a fight with someone. The cop was being a bit of a to me. He kept on telling me off. And I was like, I was standing miles away. I was like, mate, hang on. I've seen a, a guy getting assaulted around the corner. That's all. But I'm not, I'm not going to say cab, you know, because they're not. Uh, they've got a job to do and it's a hard job, especially on a Friday or Saturday night in Glasgow. But the stuff like this, I mean, you looked at the, the footage of the um, the athletes that were pulled over. The cops are very, very aggressive. You know, they, they stand there with their batons drawn. It's like, just tell me to get the car, man. Don't... Yeah. And it's not, I don't think, it's, it's, not ju- it's not just the Black Lives Matter stuff as well. It, you know, it's, with the egg chasers and particularly the other running I had with them was because they'd, They'd retweeted an article that very seri- took a very serious look at Delilah and Welsh, Welsh fans singing Delilah. And the fact is, sort of, effectively, it's a song about you know, domestic violence. I think Mike Bobbins has said there are other songs that you could sing, other Tom Jones sings that you, songs you could sing. I think we said last week, you know, you can sing. You know, I've got a, you know, I've got an album of Johnny Cash murder ballads. They're good songs. They're interesting songs to listen to. No one's saying you can't. You, you, you should stop listening to Delilah. It's just you should stop singing in a rugby stadium. Is, is effectively the argument, is, which is, you know, and, and it's fine to kind of, you know, I, I don't have an issue with people are putting a counter argument to that, whatever that might be, but they, they retweeted the article with a, a laughing face and said, oh, you know, this is woke culture again. Why, what should we change the name of other things? To? And I say, I can't really, my point to them was you can't laugh at someone making a point about domestic violence, engage with the arguments by all means for, you know, not singing the song anymore. They don't laugh at someone making a legitimate point about domestic violence. And then you got all sorts of things about what, what my motivation was for saying that it was just to virtue signaling because I wanted to look good. It's like, no, it was because I didn't agree with what you were saying. So, so I made it my point. So, there's such an arrogance, isn't there, that comes with some of the people you have to engage with or you, you end up engaging with around these topics. The, the absolute arrogance and belief that the... I mean, right, so I, I, I'm like you, Cammy. I believe that in this instance, my view on this is right. And I think history will probably show that we were on the right side of history here. Whether it does or doesn't, that's, that's kind of by the by. There's just such an arrogance about people who believe that, as Ian said, their experience means that they can be judge, jury, and executioner in all scenarios, like... I know exactly what what is the right thing at this instance, and it's it's a certain t- demographic. And I think, sadly, I'm going to be controversial here, but I think rugby does attract a lot of people like that, um, and it it's to the detriment of our game. Um, we're meant to be promoting a game that's inclusive, respectful, diverse. Um, you know, the gentleman's game. Um, or, or, you know, a thugs game played by gentlemen, um, you know. But ultimately, we're we're not we're not promoting that if we stand by and let people say these things that you know. I, it doesn't take much to think what people are saying is racist. You know, the Exeter Chief stuff is racist. Sorry, guys. Sorry, people who disagree. It is racist. The, the whole Black Lives Matter stuff. See if you can back and say all lives matter. That's also racist. You know, deal with it. Yeah, there's obfuscating. And the thing we, like, see, what I, what I would love to see at the Millennium Stadium is, you know, rather than singing Delilah, why don't they sing It's Not Unusual and do, do the Carlton dance? 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Or it is, it is unusual, and then start referencing Scotland's tries at the Millennium Stadium. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other thing as well is a lot of people come back and say, well, it's got nothing to do with rugby. I think the problem is that rugby doesn't exist in a vacuum. You know, it exists within a wider society, and we have to deal with it. rugby. Has to deal with these issues. I mean, you know, rugby has to deal with issues of race. I mean, the fact you know, Scotland's the representation of sort of non-white players for Scotland is pretty poor, and it has been pretty poor over the years. And I would suggest that's probably because of where the game has been promoted. Yes, and also not only that, just working class players. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, you're right. So, so you know, from so different social backgrounds, we had. Um, you know, who was it saying recently in the offside line interview how difficult you'd find it breaking in to professional rugby because if you didn't go to the right school? I remember part of the uh, the whole Keith Russell affair was uh, the sort of alleged comment from Mark Dawson about like you know maybe growing the game in the East End of Glasgow. It's like oh we don't want those kind of people playing it. <laughs> it's like what about Rory Hughes, mate? Um, no, I mean, there's, things like, there's loads of good, talented athletes, but they just don't get picked. Um, mm. And the, the game of rugby is not promoted in schools enough. I, I, like, the school I went to, um, despite the fact that I'm in Camus Lang and the school was literally about 200 yards away from Camus Lang Rugby Club, uh, you could go to football trials, but there was nothing anything about rugby trials that I, I saw in the PE department. You know, I know a couple of guys that did do that, uh, I know a few guys actually, and then played for Camus Lang, uh, even guys who've, uh, like my mate James, he trained Johnny Gray, and he knows Johnny Gray quite well and stuff like that, but he, you know, we, we don't have enough of that kind of thing, like, I mean, Johnny Gray seems to come from quite a decently well-to-do family, um, and it's, this, this is kind of issue about this, we don't, we're not encouraging the game, we're not encouraging people to play the game, Regardless of your your background status or whatever, you, you know, I mean, rugby is an expensive game. I think John was it last week. You said there was uh, that someone's looking at like three grand in order to join a club. Uh, um, no, no, that wasn't that wasn't me saying that. Um, oh, I, I, no, that was someone. Someone. I, I thought you were going to reference. I had, I had a rant last week about um, a situation where where people were being excluded from a rugby club due to um, due to their financial background, um, and I, I think we we had a kind of private chat in where I th- you said um, something along the lines of if you can't afford the blazer, you're not allowed to play. Um, which was pretty pretty telling, actually. So, uh, but I think, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a much wider uh, issue here, and I think we could we could probably fill five podcasts with we us, could, couldn't we? We could. I think the main thing to take away is, you know, we, we rugby doesn't exist in a vacuum. There are issues happening in the world right now, and rugby, you know, rugby needs to deal with that, and that means fans dealing with it as well. And you know, I'm I'm. 100% confident that we're on the right side of this argument. I'm sure people on the other side of the argument believe they are on the right side of it as well, but I'm I'm pretty sure <laughs> in the longer term that being respectful uh, to everybody and acknowledging people's experiences is probably the right way to go. So, do, you, do you know what? See, if we're not on the right side of the argument, we'll be respectful about that and we'll, we'll pay our, pay our will dues in time. we hell? <laughs> Double down. <laughs> Double down, that's it. Yep. 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 That so, was me trying to show personal growth there as, as someone who tends to double down when I've made mistakes. 
um, particularly when I'm hosting live podcasts. Um, <laughs> yes. So anyway, it's a good point to leave it. Um, hope you've enjoyed it. We've had people with us for the whole way through this. Well, it's been some endurance test that. This has run on for a bit, hasn't it? It has. Oh, my card's full. So that means Me I've stopped recording. Uh, we stopped recording on my uh, on the on the on the card. So I'm going to have to go back through the audio on this. <laughs> we we, we <laughs> have a backup. This is great. Two so, hours and eight minutes. Oof. Wow. Christ. There we go. So a two-hour epic long podcast. Thank you for joining us. Join us next week. Uh, not next week. In fact, two weeks. I'm on holiday next week. I'm, I'm going. I'm, I'm going away. Do you know? What, do you know what that means, Cam? What? Well, it's time for the troops to take over again. <laughs> no, I think we'll have a break next week. Um, <laughs> no, George Wilson. That'll be a hard no. <laughs> yeah. um, so we're going to have a wee break next week, and then we're going to come back on the twenty sixth of July. Have I got the date right? Twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. Twenty fourth. Twenty fourth of July. Well done. <laughs> I feel like oh, I've yeah. organised this um, with our with our big big uh, our big cl- club dinner. So and hope you all and Dougie Donnelly himself. I hope you all enjoy join us for that. For the meantime, though, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from John and Ian. Hey, folks. Good night, troops. <laughs>